0: Hello, dear listeners, it's your MC, Caitlin here, bringing you an extra special message for this episode. I'm excited to announce that we have our first $5 patron, Nick. Thanks to his contribution, we're able to continue to bring you awesome content like this arc that you're about to start listening to. Check him out as Eddie, who is somehow more punchable than Alistair, over in our sister city podcast, Poplar Kids. You might even hear some other familiar voices over there. We open on the end of the docks in Port Fleur, our view looking past the neat lakefront properties to the east, where a crimson sunrise is reflecting off the icy surface of Lake Superior. As our camera pans to the left, we see dark clouds rolling in from the west. As we follow the coast from Point Clair through Northview and settling on downtown, a thick fog forms, snaking its way through the streets and hugging the tall buildings in a tight embrace. Our camera zooms through those streets into the Margaret residence, where a delicate hand with a rose gold wedding band marks off January 7th from the calendar. As the hand drops, we see written in flowing script on January 8th, full moon. A week has passed, so let's see what's happened to our dear shadows in that time. For our listeners who may not be familiar with this mechanic, we are doing something that is referred to as love letters. This is a way to handle the passage of time or things happening off camera as letters from the MC to the characters. So, is anyone dying to go first? I do. Jeremiah, please go ahead and read us your letter.
1: Dear Jeremiah, You had quite a New Year's Day, didn't you? And everyone seemed to want something from you since. Alistair needed time with the ring. Zarn has been calling you about the circlet. Finding a pendant for Dinah could save your relationship, and of course there's still Kieran Shearer's ledger to get a hold of. So much to do, and it's so little time. Let's see how it's been working out for you. Roll with mind. On a 10+, choose 3. On a 7 to 9, choose 1. So the potential options are... You are able to find a pendant, and at a reasonable price, for Dinah. She's talking to you again, and you get a debt on her for your assistance in the matter. You've been able to keep Zarn at bay and convince him that the police are the ones with the circlet. He won't follow up with you on it anymore. You pull your weight as part of a heist and have time to research the ledger thoroughly. Take a plus one forward when you use your private collection to investigate it further. You have time to make some deals on the side on your own, and someone owes you a debt for your work. Tell me who. Then on a miss? Zarn and Dinah both get debts on you for your lack of follow-through. Expect those to come to bear suit. So I will go ahead and roll with mine to see how I did. One short, so that's a nine. All right, so you get to choose one. I'm going to choose to pull my white as part of a heist and make sure I have a lot of time to research the ledger. All right.
0: I'm sure we will come back around to that here shortly. Let's move on to Victor.
2: Dear Victor. Who doesn't start their New Year's with a murder investigation? Your mom, Ileana, couldn't be more proud of her boy for actually doing something akin to police work for once. Of course, you still don't have much to go on. You've gotten the names of Cass DeWitt and Fatima Sanchez. You've had to deal with a weird vampire in your territory and you still owe your moms for skipping dinner. Plus, as the Baron of Five Points, you simply must Attend Kieran Shearer. You simply must attend Kieran Shearer's funeral. Who thought your life would become so political? It's best to keep cool in situations like this. Roll with spirit. On a 10 plus, choose three. And on a 7 to 9, choose one. The options are, your attendance at Kieran Shearer's funeral was noticed by someone important in five points. The chaplain of the church, Isabel Lane, who now owes you a debt for your help in soothing the citizens of your territory. You found time to visit your mom's. Astrid was so happy to see you and sent you back with a new handmade knitted scarf. You can smell her love on it. Note it down in your gear. It'll only work once, but her motherly love could actually protect you from a blow of a silver weapon. You made some headway on your investigation of Kieran's murder. Tell me how. Take plus one forward on the next roll you make related to the investigation. You came into the windfall of some unscratched lottery tickets in the dumpster you sleep behind and won a small sum of money with them. You've been able to secure a small studio apartment in a converted manner in five points. It's shit, but it's better than being on the streets. On a miss, your responsibilities became too much for you, and you had to find somewhere to channel that anger. Tell me who you hurt and how. Additionally, you owe someone a debt for hurting them. Who is it and why? Roll plus spirit, which is good because I buffed my spirit when I leveled up. Hey, that's a 14.
0: So what three are you uh, going to choose?
2: I found some fucking lotto tickets and I have a shit studio apartment now. No more homeless jokes. Yeah, it's wearing thin like my jacket. My attendance at Kieran Shearer's funeral was noticed by someone important. I want that debt on Isabel Lane. And I found time to visit my mom's. So I'm going to take that scarf as well. But that means I didn't make any headway on my investigation. And I think that's indicative of Victor's inability to do police work.
0: That's all right. Is it? I don't know. I mean, not in Ileana's opinion, but I won't drag you for it.
3: At least until the outro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, since Silk's so politely piped up, why don't you go ahead and read your letter?
3: Dearest Silk. It seems like New Year's Day went like any other day for you. People had wants and you had means. But you did make some fun new friends along the way, did you not? You and Theodora have a renewed connection. Isabel, as much as she wants to hate you, rather likes you as well. An old boy, Jeremiah, is most definitely going to owe you at some point for that help with the diadem. So let's find out how these friendships have been going, shall we? Roll with the parts A A ten plus, choose three. On 7 choose 1. While visiting Beatrice White at the Church of Five Points, Isabel came over to say hi and did a reading for you. She was able to warn you of a future danger. Take plus 1 forward next time you escape a situation. While schmoozing with Theodora at the country club, you met someone else important to the supernatural scene in St. Fleur. They owe you a debt for some minor favor that cost you nothing. Choose a faction, and the MC will tell you who you met. You carried your weight on Jeremiah's little heist, and found it rather fun, all things considered. You even learned a thing or two about the werewolves in the force. Take plus one forward next time you roll with knight. You told a friend a nice thing to fulfill your penance. Which friend did you tell a nice thing to, and what was it? Ask them one question from the figure someone outlist in return. On a miss, your charm just hasn't been there, and you needed to take a break from these humans for a bit. You owe Theodora and Isabel debts for standing them up. So let's roll. That's a 10. So the thing I am not choosing is telling a friend a nice thing. Because I don't do that.
0: Beatrice is so disappointed in your lack of fulfilling your penance. I
3: still have like 30 more Hail Marys. It's fine. So for Theodora, I met someone and did them a small favor. Let's go with someone from mortality for that one.
0: The person you met was Celia Mendoza. You gathered from your conversations with her that she runs something of a competitive group to the Arcane Network. And she owes you a debt for procuring an object she needed.
3: Lovely. I'm sure that won't come into play at all. So I think I am done with my letter then.
0: Let's do Alex next, who I really want to fail.
4: Thank you. Dear Alex, a ghostly grudge might not have been the only thing you picked up on New Year's Day. Besides your own ambitions, there are plenty of people around you who have their own. Cass is still staking out your bookshop, you've seen Anna more times than possible to just be coincidence, and even Isabel has given you a call. Let's not forget that you also promised Jeremiah that you'd help with his ledger problem. Let's see whose ambitions you've followed up on. Roll with heart. On a 10+, plus, choose 3. On a 7-9, to choose 1. Cass spotted something at your shop and has been able to get you enough information for you to get the jump on this person. You've got a name, and that person is lucky enough to find themselves in your web. Isabel has been surprisingly willing to work with you on these matters, and has been filling you in on the structure of the organization behind the church. Take plus one forward next time you roll with power. You hold up your end of the deal and help Jeremiah with his heist. During the heist, you also stumbled upon some other questionable things St. Fleur's Finest is doing. And Ilyana has promised you anything to keep your mouth shut. Ilyana owes you a debt. You felt surprisingly satiated and have been able to burn the midnight oil on your own schemes. Tell me what small claim you have been able to make in Point Clair to further your hold on the neighborhood. And on a miss, I have found myself incredibly unwell. And due to how hungry I have found myself, I have one guess on who you fed on that could have caused this. Anna, mark one harm, and you might want to talk to her soon. Who knows how it could progress? So, at the nine. Oh, these are all so good. But promises are promises, so I have to hold up my end of the deal and help Jeremiah with his heist. And in so doing, gain a debt on Iliana.
0: I thought you'd like that one. I really did. So that brings us to our final shadow.
5: Saving the best for last, of course. Dear Alistair,
0: it seemed like everything
5: was coming up young Lockwood on New Year's Day, was it not? Your cousin wants your help. The powerful organization behind the church wants your help. And every road seems to be leading towards you getting the Lockwood coven back to its rightful ownership. Of course, though, that's a long way off yet. And there's plenty to do between now and then. And you have some big decisions to make. Roll with mind to see how your scheming has gone this last week. On a 10+, plus, choose 3. On a seven to nine, choose one, and my choices include. You had time to investigate the ring found in Kieran's possessions. Ask the MC one question about it from the scholar's appraisal move. You attended Kieran Shearer's funeral and met with the chaplain, Isabel Lane, letting her know of your intentions to work with the church's organization. She was expecting you and gave you a ring of your own. This is imbued with active magic and you learn a new spell, Foresight, from it. You continued to work with Theodora, and she's got a lead on the fleur that she's shared with you. Take plus one forward the next time you roll with power. You've been able to do some more study on your own, as well as improvements around the manor. The next time you use your sanctum, you may ignore one of the requirements. On a miss, you've still not chosen a side, and though you were granted a longer grace period by the church organization to think on it, patience is wearing thin on all sides. You owe both Theodora and Angela, the orchid, a debt due to your unavailability. So, I am going to roll plus mind here, which is an 8. I really want to get information on that ring, but I'm going to attend Kieran Shearer's funeral and meet with the chaplain and align myself with the church. Partially because that spell sounds really interesting and partially because Alistair's making a power play here.
0: So foretellings is one of your spells that goes under channeling. So you need to have channeling hold to cast it and the ring. But what it does is you can spend one hold to have a short vision on what's about to take place in this scene. Take plus one ongoing when you act on this information. Gotcha. So we get a couple of scenes. First, we see the heist group, Silk, Alex, and Jeremiah. What was everyone's approach to this heist?
3: Silk is going to be probably the first one who enters the scene. I imagine the camera following him on the sidewalk. He passes a family going the opposite way, and then suddenly you're following a small child. Then small child Silk goes into the lobby of the police department and just starts bawling to get everyone's attention. And as soon as like people start walking off, he just cries harder to get a distraction for the
1: other two. So Jeremiah would have spent some time preparing beforehand and would have wanted to use his arcane instapot to brew up a short-term potion of invisibility so that when the distraction came, he could just quickly swig it, go invisible, and then use his array of artifacts to slip into the evidence locker.
4: Alex was actually going to use ahead of time one of his moves called put out the word wherein he's got a contact inside the police to make sure that there is no one you know posted around that evidence locker to potentially catch Jeremiah. So he doesn't need to physically be there but he is manipulating officers out of the way.
0: So we get those couple of scenes we see a couple of shots of Alex making a couple of phone calls talking to people here and there We get that shot of Jeremiah brewing this invisibility potion and then Silk's transformation and Jeremiah turning invisible in the background and sliding into the police station. So, Jeremiah, you now have Kieran Shearer's ledger. Silk, we get another scene of you at the country club. You are sitting in the lounge having a drink with Theodora, who gestures for someone to come over. And to the shot, we see walk a woman in her late 60s. Her auburn hair is starting to gray, and she is still tall and well-built for her age. Most notably, she is missing her left arm. She introduces herself to you as... Celia Mendoza and the two of you have a couple of drinks and chat lovely Victor we get that shot of the day you went to Kieran Shearer's funeral a few shots from the funeral where you are helping to console the citizens of your territory Isabel at your arm as well we follow you to your mom's where Astrid has made you your favorite meal and places a dark green knitted scarf around your neck. And then when you go back to the dumpster to sleep, you finding the lottery tickets.
2: Was there more? Or-
0: no. I mean, if you have anything you want to add, go for it.
2: I was going to end it in Victor, like a shot from him waist up naked in the shower, taking a hot long shower
0: and Alistair we get that shot of you at Kieran Shearer's funeral pulling Isabel off to the side and having a brief conversation with her before she hands you a ring of your own that looks very similar to the one that was found in Kieran's possessions it is a ring of membership in what you have now found out is called Fleur's Watch
5: Yeah, Alistair slides it onto the ring finger on his right hand. I'm assuming it somehow fits exactly perfectly.
0: It fits perfectly. And, you know, normally when you put on jewelry or a watch or something, it feels really awkward at first and it kind of takes a while to get used to it. Yeah. Don't have that feeling.
5: Okay. Yeah, Alistair definitely spends some time just like running his thumb over the engravings on the ring. He's putting a lot of thought into this, but definitely doesn't regret his decision. At least not yet. I do want to ask, my corruption move as the wizard is when you strike a deal with someone dark and powerful, mark corruption? Does that trigger here?
0: I would say yes.
5: Yeah, that's kind of what I figured.
0: And it is January 8th, a week after New Year's. It's morning right now. There was a bright red sunrise and there is a full moon tonight. What is everyone up to today?
1: I think Jeremiah wants to keep pursuing the pendant that Dinah's been looking for. So he's going to hit the streets with Wild and go talk to a goblin who's involved with the arcane item trade.
0: What's this goblin's name?
1: His name is Sharpteeth.
0: Roll to hit the streets with Wild.
1: Oh, fucking hell. No.
0: So, Jeremiah, you find yourself in Eldersburg, of all places, looking for Sharpteeth. You know that it's not totally uncommon to find him or really any other fay of questionable origins in this area. But you are sidetracked because you see a tall woman with tan skin and black hair pulled back in a braided crown walk past you. And you notice on her leather jacket the symbol that Dinah had drawn on the napkins for you at dinner a week ago.
1: Interesting.
0: Hmm. As she's walking past you she is on her cell phone a scowl on her face and you hear her say i don't care what it takes just get it done before hanging up her phone
1: <sighs> jeremiah's not really the uh is not particularly stealthy so i think maybe just bald confrontation with words is called for here she's watching my approach here
0: she's walking past you you're gonna miss your moment if you don't do something
1: Uh, you know what? Let's go for it. Let's just call out to her. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me, miss?
0: She looks at you, looks you up and down, profiles you, and slows slightly. Yes?
1: Uh, I can't help but notice, uh, that peculiar symbol, uh, you happen to be wearing on your sleeve.
0: Her eyes narrow, as you mention
1: that. He's gonna hold out his hand? Jeremiah Roderick Crawford III. I believe you heard a very good friend of mine, or someone close to you did.
0: She doesn't shake your hand. And who would that be?
1: Jeremiah's gonna put his cane in front of him and just fold both his hands over it. Uh, A young woman in uh my profession by the name of Dinah Simmons. Normally, we try not to attract too much attention to ourselves, and... Profess a certain amount of neutrality in a lot of a going as ons in the city, but she got uh, roughed up by some of your goons.
0: Well, maybe she should think twice before selling to werewolves then. Good day. And Fatima just turns on her heel and starts walking
1: off. Hmm. Oh, what's my angle here? Give me a moment.
0: As we get that shot of Fatima walking away and Jeremiah clearly trying to come up with something to say or do, We cut to Victor. Victor, what are you doing this fine morning before you get to go murder everything tonight?
2: I'm having a cup of coffee in my apartment, looking out the window through the busted blinds down at five points. Victor is obviously still cold in his apartment. It doesn't have great heating, but it's better than the street.
0: As you are sitting there, drinking your coffee, blanket draped over your shoulders, your breath still forming like a little fog in front of your mouth, your phone starts to ring. Hello. Oh, Victor, it's wonderful to hear you. Midnight Roses here. How are you doing this lovely morning?
2: Better than most recently. What can I do for you?
0: I have a favor to ask of you. And I'm sure, given the help and the blanket I've given you lately, you'd be more than willing to hear me out. One of my constituents in downtown has informed me that the fog is back today. And that always means something terrible is about to happen. Given the day and the fact that I don't think you're sleeping tonight, anyways, I was wondering if you could be a doll and. Meet Cass downtown. She's looking into it for me.
2: Yeah, I can make that happen. I don't mind uh, using up my day for whatever. But uh, night comes along, I've got things of my own to do.
0: All right, well, I'll uh, check in with you before then.
2: All right. You have a good one.
0: You too. Oh, and I'll text you Cass's number. And she hangs up.
2: Victor slides his phone onto the table and enjoys his coffee a little bit longer. Before he gets up and goes and puts on his clothes that have been washed.
0: And since you are honoring a debt, if you don't have wild marked already, don't forget to mark wild. Thank you. I don't. All right. Silk, Alistair, or Alex?
5: Well, before I get to what it is that I want to do, I want to ask, like, I've aligned myself with the church group. Have they given me like a mission or anything, or has that been left open-ended for right now?
0: Right now, what they want you to do is basically take Theodora out of the equation, whatever that might mean. She is posing a threat to them, and they as an organization cannot act. You have the coverage of being both a Lockwood and part of the organization. Therefore, you acting against her would not break the long-standing agreement they made with your great, great, great grandfather of not interfering with the Lockwood Coven as long as the Lockwood Coven does not interfere with them.
5: All right. In that case, I'd like to hit the streets as well. My idea is to sort of show up at the country club. I want to try to get some information on Theodora.
0: All right. Who are you going to go see at the country club?
5: I don't have a name, I can come up with one if you need me to, but somebody that's like one of the waiters, or somebody that would be fairly unnoticeable, but have access to some good information.
0: You do remember that when Silk called to come join last week, Theodora sent somebody named Jonathan to go escort him back, and Jonathan was the main waiter for her.
5: Perfect. That is exactly the sweet spot I would like to hit, then.
0: All right, he is mortality for days, so roll with mortality to hit the streets.
5: That is a nine.
0: So on a hit, they're available and have the stuff. On a seven to nine, choose one. Whoever you're going to is juggling their own problems. Whatever you need is more costly than anticipated.
5: I think that uh, Jonathan is juggling his own problems, because what could a mortal's problems possibly be in the face of a master of the arcane arts?
0: So we get those shots of Alistair going to the country club and going to the employee entrance area where standing outside the gate vaping is Jonathan and he is on the phone and taking like a hit of his vape in between and goes, oh, come on, baby. I no, I know. I Look, I'm really sorry, and no, don't, don't, don't hang up on me. And his face just looks absolutely crestfallen as he puts his phone back in his pocket.
5: I'm sorry, is this a bad
0: time? Jonathan looks up from where he was looking down at the ground, and it registers to him who you are. And you also see it register to him that Theodora is the one with all the money and the power, not you. Yes, Mr. Lockwood, this is a bad time.
5: Sorry, unfortunate to hear that. I, uh, had been hoping a man of your means would be able to help me out, but I see you're juggling problems of your own, it seems. Perhaps some quid pro quo would be in order?
0: Yes, I'm dealing with my own problems, but how would you be able to help with the fact that my boyfriend won't even talk to me right now?
5: Oh my my. You'll find that I know quite a bit about relationships.
0: He looks very surprised when you say that.
5: Yeah, this is decidedly a lie, but Alistair's going for it. And he says, what is it that seems to be the problem between the two of you?
0: Just a misunderstanding. I went to some of the clubs last night without him, and he seems to think that I'm keeping my options open. And that wasn't why I was there, but he won't listen to me.
5: I'll tell you what. I have certain ways about me that may help to solve this problem of yours, and I can do so for a simple one-time payment.
0: What do you want from me, Mr. Lockwood?
5: Oh, my dear boy, nothing quite like that, I assure you. I just... Well, you seem to be the person that my... Knows my cousin more than anybody else I've encountered yet, and well, it's been a shamefully long amount of time since she and I have gotten to know each other, I was just wondering what you may be able to tell me about her. I'd like to get back into her good graces as efficiently as possible.
0: Go ahead and roll to Persuade with the promise that you're going to help him with his boyfriend problems. I can do that. And that's a big fat five. You say that line about getting back into her good graces as efficiently as possible, and his eyes narrow. He just kind of stares at you for a minute. There's a lot that I could tell you about my mistress, but I think it would be best for you to leave if you don't want me to tell her that you came here sniffing around.
5: Quite fair, and I'll be on about my way. As Alistair is leaving... This may be a stretch. Is there any way for me to be able to tell which car is Jonathan's?
0: Roll to let it out. That's
5: a 13.
0: Um, how does your magic work? Tell me that first.
5: Assuming this isn't too much bullshit, I want to say that Jonathan's got like a sort of aura about him. And then Alistair is sort of scanning to see which car feels like it's putting off the same type of energy.
0: Alright, when you let out the power within you, roll with Spirit. On a hit, choose one and mark Corruption. On a 10+, plus, ignore the Corruption or choose another from the list. You're definitely extending your senses. Do you want to ignore the Corruption or choose another from the list?
5: I'm going to go ahead and choose another from the list because this will help with my long-term plan. I want to take definite hold of something vulnerable or exposed. Inside of Jonathan's car there's something i could find that's like belongs to his boyfriend. Like did he leave a
0: jacket in there or something like that? Jonathan turns around and like buzzes back into the gate and as you scan the employee parking lot trying to figure out which vehicle is his, you settle on a black 2017 Honda Accord. It just has that same feel. As he was giving off. And when you walk over to the car, it just conveniently unlocks at the brush of your hand. And inside there is a jacket for the local minor league baseball team. And Jonathan doesn't strike you as the baseball player type. Definitely
5: not. He doesn't have the build for it.
0: Exactly. And when you pick up the jacket, you find monogrammed on the inside, under the hood, the name Kyle Schwinn.
5: As I am picking up this jacket, I would like to channel my arcane energies so that I can use a
0: spell. Alright. Do you have to roll to channel?
5: I do. So when you channel and collect your magics, roll with spirit. I got a 7. On a 7 to 9, hold 3 and choose 1 from the list below. And I can either take minus one ongoing until I rest, suffer one harm, or mark corruption. I'm going to go ahead and mark another corruption here because I'm being corrupt as fuck. Yeah, you are. And I am going to use my spell known as Tracking. Spend one hold to learn the location of someone. You must have a personal object that belongs to that target. Or recent leavings of their body. So I'm going to use this jacket to find Kyle.
0: We get that shot of Alistair channeling his power using this jacket as kind of a sort of homing beacon. And our camera kind of pans out from where Alistair is. Turns, zooms through Northview. And settles into downtown, focused on a nice apartment building that's close to the shore where a lot of the fog is gathering.
5: Interesting. The plot and the fog thicken. I'm gonna just toss the jacket back into his car and lock it as I stroll away.
0: All right, Silk
4: or Alex? One of the things that Alex has been working on for the last week or so is trying to figure out who the Point Claire ghost is. From Alex's previous dealings with Cass, there is a St. Fleur Supernatural Society, and I feel like those are the kind of people that Alex should know. So I think I'm going to basically hit the streets to try and get some information from them.
0: So Alex, you know that the St. Fleur Supernatural Society is headquartered in downtown. And almost always there are some members hanging out around there. It's very much one of those clubs where as long as you're a member, you can walk in and use the space. Do you want to make someone up or what have you that happens that you want to hit the streets to go bother about this? I can absolutely do that. I think
4: let's call this guy Oscar. Uh, Oscar da Costa.
0: Perfect. So go ahead and roll with mortality to hit the streets and see if Oscar is available and has the stuff. (laughs) No, that is a six. Are you driving there? Yes, absolutely. So we get those shots of Alex and his extravagant car driving downtown, parking in a mostly empty parking garage. And as he steps out of the car in the parking garage, the fog around him is thick enough to cast shadows, even at this point of day. And from out of one of the shadows steps Ju, the vampire we've seen in Victor's territory before. And he smiles a toothy grin at you. I must admit, I've been dying to meet you. Uh Should I put a face to a name with this guy? Yeah, you should put a face to name with this guy. Roll with night.
4: Well, I am just marking all sorts of factions today. That is an 11.
0: You know that Jew is new to town. He's been in St. Fleur for maybe a month. But you know, just from what you've heard on the streets and your interactions, whatever they have, may have been with him up to this point, he is a vampire older than you. And he feeds in a way that is very similar to you.
4: Oh, good. So I think what I would like on that 10 plus, I don't think I want him to owe me a debt. I would like to know something interesting and useful about him.
0: You know, based on his total lack of a scent, that he was created in the same way you were.
4: Yeah, I think Alex just immediately bristles up and takes a moment to turn around. I'm sorry, what was your name again?
0: Oh, you wound me so. You haven't heard of me already.
4: And I think, uh, Alex just casually, uh, hands in pockets, kind of looks him up and down. What can I do for you?
0: Well, I am interested in working with you.
4: In what capacity?
0: You're not the only one who has higher ambitions for the city than it has for itself, my dear friend. And I'm simply just trying to be courteous enough to give you the offer to get in on the ground floor before, you know, heads start rolling.
4: So we're in a, in a mostly empty parking garage at this point, correct?
0: Yes, with a lot of spooky fog.
4: Cool. Oh, God, how would he play this?
0: I'll give you some time to think if that's cool.
3: Yeah. yes, yes, please, please.
0: All right, Silk, how's your morning going, friend?
3: I'm actually going to get some more player-on-player player interaction here. And I would like to go knock on Victor's new door.
2: Victor opens the door. He's wearing his jacket and it looks like he's just about to head out anyway. He opens the door as he's like putting on one of his boots.
3: Oh, hey, Silk. So Silk is outside the door with like a full on room service cart. So, um, I believe you haven't had a, a housewarming yet. and I, I thought I would be of assistance.
2: Yeah, sure. Come on in. He kicks the door all the way open, and it kind of sticks in that position. And uh, there's enough room for you to wheel the cart in.
3: On the cart, Silk has like a full meal to bring in. He has the idea of like bringing food for uh, housewarming, but doesn't quite get the idea that it's supposed to be like a single casserole or something like that. This is like a full course meal. And then underneath, he pulls out things to start decorating the room with. Without asking Victor, he just starts putting things on the wall. So, Victor, um, have you made any progress with uh, that? Yes, I believe you said it wasn't a mugging uh, from the other week. Um, No, it wasn't a mugging. It was a murder. Murder. That's the word I'm looking for. Right? M words. I'll get them straight one of these days. You know, I was trying to reach you the other day. I think I might have something that might interest you, but the line just doesn't seem to be connected anymore. Uh, My phone broke. Hmm. I've got a new one. I'll text you the number. Lovely. Well, um, like I said, I think I might have a lead for you. The diadem that the the murdered one, there's actually a bit of a magical artifice on it. Uh, someone with the corresponding item would actually be able to see through their eyes. Perhaps if you knew who had that, you would know who um, murdered him. Hmm.
2: Victor sits up a little bit more straight. Yeah, that
3: that would at least connect them somehow. Uh, do you know who has it? Unfortunately, I don't have any leads on that. But uh, perhaps our collector friend might be able to help you out with that more than I can. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll give uh, Jeremiah a call. So over the, the mantel place here, would you prefer a naked woman or a naked man? Um... It's not really my aesthetic. Uh, well, I, I also have uh, this painting of, uh, I believe they're called rabbits.
2: Whatever you think suits the room best.
3: Hmm. Well, given the, the whole uh, Luna situation tonight, let's go with the rabbits. It is quite a bit of a grizzly scene. All right.
2: Victor goes over to the cart. Uh, what food have you brought?
3: So it's going to be things like a roast chicken and like risotto or other fancy type foods. I actually don't do fancy food, so I don't know what it is. Victor looks it all over. Um, this is this
2: is great, Silk. I really appreciate it, but uh, I've got a business downtown I've got to go attend to.
3: Oh, is something happening downtown? You're leaving your territory.
2: Yeah. Uh, Midnight Roses said the, the fogs are back.
3: Oh, is that so?
2: Huh. Well, um,
3: do you fancy company then?
2: Victor thinks for a moment, remembers you have a car. And then says, yeah, that would be great. Well then, it's a date. Yeah, sounds good. Victor then like holds the door open for you. We're going to be meeting, uh, what's her name? Cass DeWitt. Do you know
3: her? I don't know. Let's find out. Can I hit the, the streets? Or sorry, put a, put a name to a face. Mortality. Sounds like I know Cass quite a
0: bit. Cass DeWitt is a young, enterprising young woman with a lot of spunk who is a private investigator, frequently hired by the supernatural community, even though she seems to not believe in any of that herself. So on a 10 plus, you've dealt with them before. learned something interesting and useful about them, or they owe you a debt.
3: Let's go with a debt.
0: All right. What did you do for Cass that put her in your debt?
3: I don't think I knew her from a business point of view, or at least her business. How about I set her up on a date with her latest partner?
0: Okay, so Cass owes you a debt for setting her up on a date.
3: Ah, Cass, um, I do know her, actually. I set her up with a a dear friend of mine, and they seem to be hitting off quite well. So why don't we go meet her then?
2: Yeah, sounds great. He keeps holding the door open for you and uh, locks the door behind us. You brought your car, right? Of course, I'm not going to use
3: public transportation. Oh, who would dream of it?
0: As we get that exchange of words, our camera pans back to Jeremiah and the getting further away back of Fatima Sanchez.
1: I want to put a name to a face. So I did some research into the brigade for Victor. So I'm just trying to put two and two together at this point.
0: Roll with mortality.
1: Partial success. Uh, On a hit, I know their reputation.
0: As she's starting to walk away, we see everything kind of click into place for Jeremiah, that this is, in fact, Fatima Sanchez, the leader of the brigade. You have heard specifically about the leader of the brigade, that she is very much a take no prisoners type. And while maybe she personally has grudges, the brigade only reacts in response to who is paying the most. And she respects that when she's on the brigade's time. If she's on her time, then you probably don't want to cross her.
1: All right. I'm going to call Victor.
2: I answer the phone as I'm riding in Silk's car. Hello?
1: Victor, I don't suppose you've taken any time to go see the brigade yet.
2: I was thinking about maybe uh, popping their way tonight.
1: That sounds unintentionally ominous given the time of the uh, week. Is this a sort of thing you would take company for, or are you going to go bloody on them?
2: People uh, associated with the supernatural community are ending up dead. Someone wanted to make it look like it was me. Um, I think you can do basic math. Do you want to talk to them?
1: I need concessions from them. They just ran into, apparently, their leader. Mm Mm-hmm. Fatima? Yeah, that's the one. And they hurt a good friend of mine. And that needs reparations.
2: Do you wanna get bloody with them? I
1: have an idea of what to do before a meeting, but I'd prefer to uh, talk. Um, Killing and fighting is not my strong suit.
2: All right. Well, if you want to talk to them... I could head over a little bit earlier than I planned.
1: That sounds good. I figured, hey, we both got titles. We can use a little bit of clout with that.
2: Victor squints and, like, raises an eyebrow. Yeah, of course.
1: I'm an Earl, you know, and you're a Baron. Those worlds carry some weight.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, Well, we can go talk to them. Maybe it wasn't them, but I doubt it. And even if it wasn't, I'm going to have to bloody someone's nose or I'll look like a fool. Indeed. Call me when you're ready to head over that way. Oh, um, so I heard through uh, our good friend Silk that uh, the circlet was associated with a mirror. It is. Do you know anything about where we might find that or who has it?
1: Not yet. I've been otherwise occupied for a past week. I haven't really had time to look into it. Other obligations have been bugging me. And other stuff is not going quite as well as I hoped it would. So it's just kind of been relegated to the side. Well,
2: let me know if you dig up anything.
1: Yeah, if I find anything, I'll pass it along. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.
0: And with that goodbye, we pan back to two vampires in a parking garage. So after that line about
4: heads going to roll... I think I am just legitimately going to advance on him until either he moves or I'm physically touching him.
0: He doesn't move.
4: Good. So we get up kind of face to face. And how tall is he?
0: He is average height. He could blend into literally any crowd. Okay, so they're probably similar in height. Probably.
4: Let me make this perfectly clear to you. Whatever you think you're going to do, whatever you... We're trying to insinuate there, you do not decide who lives and dies in my city. Now, you can leave here in one piece, or many, and that is your choice.
0: Roll to persuade an NPC through threats. Yay! Yeah. night. On a hit, they do what you ask. On a 7 to 9, they modify the terms or demand a debt. Zhu smiles at your threat and says, Well, I can leave and go track down that lovely little girl that likes to hang out outside your shop, or we can talk about this like men.
4: Oh, at that point, I'm just going to, like, grab him by the throat.
0: We get that shot of Alex lunging in for Jew's throat, and as he makes contact, our camera fades to black. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcatcher and follow us on Twitter at St. If you want to support the creators who are bringing you this content, consider becoming a patron. You can find us on Patreon at the link in the episode description. Another big thank you and shout out to our first $5 patron, Nick. You can listen to the awesome work he does in Poplar Kids, who are on Twitter at PoplarKidsPod. Find their handle in the episode description. Unable to be a patron but still want to support us? Consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcatcher so others can see how much you like what you're hearing. Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows actual play podcast in-seed and edited by Caitlin Cornell. You can find her on Twitter at SuperCaitlin1. Alistair, who uses his magic exclusively to break into cars and stalk people, is voiced and played by Andy. You can find him on Twitter at AndyLion92. Alex, the ever-so-courteous vampire who ever-so-quickly resorts to violence, is voiced and played by Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter, at teuface. Silk, who took it upon himself to call himself dearest even though the letter only said dear, is voiced and played by Eric. You can find him on Twitter, at PrimeFactorX01. Victor, the police chief's son who is incapable of doing police work, is voiced and played by Evan. You can find him on Twitter at Nyquist underscore J-E. And finally, Jeremiah, who regrettably is becoming very familiar with the doghouse, is voiced and played by Matthew. Urban Shadows is a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role-playing game written, designed, and developed by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz Truman. It is published by Magpie Games, who you can find at magpiegames.com or on Twitter at MagpieOfficial. They also just launched their official Discord server, and there's a lot of people talking about Urban Shadows and other great games that they publish there, so I recommend you check that out as well. The intro music used in this episode was Epic Unease by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at Encompotech.com. The outro music used in this episode is Dark Carnival VL by Paratune. You can find their work at paratune.com. Farewell to your listener. We'll see you next time you visit St. Fleur.